which are a bit hectic, um, but necessary. Um, I hope we can start with our meeting. Honorable Sin is, is, is on his way to the residency. He's going to join us uh, uh, as he has indicated in the next um, seven minutes. Um, I see from the attendance list, um, that uh, we have a sizable number of members of the committee. Um, and the AG has joined us as well. Good evening, AG. Good, good evening, Claire. Good evening to you and to the honorable members of GOAC. Great. I hope you have enjoyed your consultations with the provinces. Eh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm now done with the provinces. Yes, thank you. That's it. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you, Peter Paul. I think we have now we see um, our agenda items. Um, good evening, colleagues. I think uh, let's start with the meeting. Uh, the meeting has been convened uh, at the instance of the committee uh, based on the fact that the president has declared the national disaster uh, after uh, the torrential rains which have destroyed infrastructure and lives of communities in the uh, KZN uh, lying areas, uh, mainly and around um, Tequini uh, municipality. Um, people have been uh, affected and the situation is so dire. We seek to express our condolences to those who have uh, lost um, their close uh, relatives, um, some or mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, and, and indeed you have seen uh, the devastation uh, which has arisen uh, thereafter. So uh, we've had a discussion with the AG um, after such a declaration, and we agreed that uh, let's have this uh, brief session where the AG is going to take us through on the framework, which is going to be informing the audit um, in the declared uh, areas, that is KZN, Eastern Cape, uh, the Northwest, um, and there's, there's always a reference uh, to other areas, which is which includes the Western Cape after the devastating fires, uh, which has, has destroyed uh, the informal settlements um, in the areas of the Western Cape. So, so um, the the AG uh, has been uh, busy this week, um, uh, traveling throughout the country. Uh, meeting provinces and uh, 
uh, outlining uh, the outcomes uh, of uh, the Municipal um, Finance Management Act. Uh, so so uh, we agreed that let's hold this meeting at this time, knowing very well that we ourselves were busy with the uh, uh, many plenaries, uh, which we have to spread ourselves uh, right through the activity. So thank you very much, uh, colleagues, that uh, have availed ourselves uh, for this briefing, uh, for the AG uh, to have uh, her time and her team uh, to give that uh, kind of a briefing uh, to ourselves on what is actually uh, taking place, how is she structuring her teams, what sort of informing framework around those areas which relate to um, auditing on time uh, in as far as the expenditure uh, is concerned. We are proud uh, of the good work which has been performed by um, the auto general and uh, the teams uh, during the time of the uh, pandemic uh, when the declaration uh, has enforced the country to commit some funds uh, out of that. And uh, they came uh, with a new form of auditing, their real-time uh, audits, which were somewhat uh, informing the performance of the Office of the Auditor General. So, so the outlook uh, seemingly uh, is going to live with us, as it is the case, um, as we have to see them uh, to comb uh, through the expenditure during the time uh, of uh, revitalizing the areas affected by those disasters. So welcome, AG. Welcome, colleagues. Um, welcome. Uh, those who are in the side of the media uh, to inform our communities as to how ready is the Office of the Auditor General in conducting um, uh, business uh, in those areas. Menier, um, Peter, Paul, are there any apologies except what I've indicated for Honorable Singh, who is uh, going to join us uh, shortly? Yes, Chair. Thank you, Chair. Um, I think we can just put on the record that we've only received one apology from the Honorable Kopane, um, who has sent through an apology um, and won't be able to attend due to ill health. Chair, that's the only apology that we received. Well, well, thank, thank you very much, uh, uh, Mr. Peter Paul, uh, for such apology. Uh, there are as well devastating news which are uh, flying through of the gruesome attack of school children uh, in the Western Cape um, uh, in one of the, the schools um, in the uh, uh, area of uh, Mullenbeck. Um, yes, Chair. Yeah, area of Mullenbeck. Uh, so devastating, uh, so gruesome, uh, so bad uh, to see how uh, young children are so traumatized uh, by such occurrences. Um, I, I really hope that uh, 
those who are in the enforcement uh, of the law are doing all the best uh, to deal with that situation, uh, to apprehend the perpetrators and uh, bring them to book is really unacceptable. It's so bad. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just coming from the mini plenary, uh, which was focusing on women, people with disabilities, uh, children, and all the stuff. And to find this kind of a gruesome act is really discomforting. Um, uh, may we uh, provide our support to those that are affected um, uh, in a very emotional way uh, that uh, we have uh, to see such a suffering. Uh, can we then uh, uh, allow the Auditor General uh, to provide the brief to us as per the agenda? Thank you very much, colleagues. AG. Um, thank you very much, uh, Honourable Chair, and a good evening to the Honourable Members of SCOAG. Um, I'd like to begin by thanking you for making the time for this conversation, especially given the role that SCOAG plays in the life of the National Audit Office. Um, I hope to use this opportunity to provide clarity on the work that we are doing in the wake of the disaster and on government's response to it. As you indicated, Chair, following the floods in KZN and the Eastern Cape, government declared a state of national disaster. And on the 18th of April, 2022, the president announced a series of interventions that would be rolled out in three phases, namely the immediate humanitarian relief, the stabilization and recovery, which would include rehousing people who had lost their homes and restoring services. And finally, the phase that would deal with the reconstruction and rehabilitation. Similar to what was done in the context of the COVID-19 response, the president asked the National Audit Office to form part of an oversight mechanism that would ensure that the allocated resources are protected and are used for the intended purpose. Our response was to design a series of real-time audits, which we have already commenced on the board members. And tonight I share some insights on our approach in undertaking this mammoth task. In line with our constitutional mandate of providing independent assurance on whether public funds have been appropriately accounted for, we traditionally look at three areas, financial statements, performance information, as well as compliance. We see our role, whether or not we're doing the audits on an annual basis or performance audits or these real-time audits that I'll talk about now, we see our roles as being to provide independent, timely, credible insight on how funds are being managed. We aim to report and share our work in a way that enhances transparency, accountability, and governance. And yes, it's tried to say that we do not run government. Ours is to provide independent assurance. A key aspiration of our work is for us to be responsive to the demands of the current environment, of the current moment. And shaping our work so that our relevance continues to grow while still operating within our independent audit mandate. Chair, these are extraordinary times and these demand for us to be agile and to be responsive to safeguard public funds. However, it's important to say that we cannot do this alone. 
we've often talked about an accountability ecosystem, and we see ourselves as an integral part of that ecosystem. The key responsibilities for accountability start with the people that are appointed and elected to run government and to act as stewards over public funds and over public institutions, starting with the accounting officers together with their staff, officials, and their senior managers, and working in collaboration with their internal audit and audit committees. Theirs is to safeguard resources, deploy those resources so that they, they meet the intended purpose, and to do so in a manner that's efficient and cost-effective. That's the job of the accounting officers. The executive, on the other hand, being the mayors, the MECs, and the ministers, theirs is to support and to supervise. And we would also add that those responsible for the coordinating departments, the National Treasury, Provincial Treasury, the National Cocktail, Provincial Cocktails, the offices of the premiers, the presidency, on the other hand, they are charged with supporting, monitoring, and conducting oversight on the rollout of different government programs. And there's specific roles around the oversight would then be sitting with council, legislatures, and parliament. And then we also include in the ecosystem the public bodies, especially those that have got responsibilities for investigations and for law enforcement. Another key part that often gets neglected when we talk about accountability would be an active citizenry, one that is fully engaged and vested in the success of government either directly or working through organizations and formations such as civil society organizations. So we've located the work of the audit office in all contexts and even in this context within this particular framework, one that establishes different roles, which are, yes, distinct, but if we all play them effectively, they can be complementary and help us to safeguard public resources and to make sure that we maintain the integrity of public institutions, meaning that public institutions then do that which they are mandated to do. I'll say this, and I know that people will agree with me, we are all in this together. All of the parties that are put on the slide, all of the parties that I've just men mentioned, it's critical that we recognize this and aim to play our distinct roles in a way that's complementary. In this context, we will necessarily have to work with all players in the system. The presidency, the DPME, the National Treasury, COPTA, the KZN provincial leadership, as well as that in the Eastern Cape. We'll work very closely with civil society organizations, as we've done before. We'll also work closely with the public bodies responsible for investigations and law enforcement. And most of all, all of our work is really targeted at ensuring that public funds are safeguarded and that these initiatives that have been designed to respond to a particular crisis are indeed deployed for that response and are not then used for other things, but rather they're there to benefit citizens when they need them most. So what will we do? Um, we will start by saying that in the context of, of this disaster, there was a concern across society that public funds should be protected, that the response initiatives must be not only well designed, but also well executed so that they respond to the needs and are effective in how they are actually responding in this way. We've shaped a series of real-time audits, as I've said, 
And just a reminder, and I probably don't need to remind the members of SCOAD, but a real-time audit is still an audit. It just happens that much sooner. It's an early audit. It aims to prevent, to detect weaknesses in controls, and to report on findings within a short space of time so that the key parts of the accountability ecosystem are enabled to do their work. If you look at the role of the accounting officer, they're enabled to take corrective action swiftly so that they can protect resources against fraud and wastage and course correct their implementation so that their programs are rolled out as designed so that the benefits that have been designed to reach particular beneficiaries reach those beneficiaries instead of going somewhere else. On the role of the executive, we will audit and report in a manner that allows the, the executive to benefit from credible, timely insights on how programs are being implemented so that they can monitor effectively and act and support where that's required. If you turn to oversight, we'll enable them to play their role in a much shorter space of time. And the public bodies, we aim to share our work with those charged with investigations and law enforcement so that they can step in quickly and implement consequences so that we can safeguard resources. Now, honorable members, as we did for the COVID-19 audits, we will audit and report our findings in a short space of time. We'll provide timely reports to all of the parties that I've mentioned. And we'll also share our reports with councils, legislatures, and other organs of state, as we've been empowered to do in terms of the Public Audit Act, specifically Section 5.3. The impact of a real-time audit will be felt if all parts of the accountability, sorry, if all parts of the accountability ecosystem, or let's call it the oversight mechanism, also do their part. If all parties act swiftly and effectively on the basis of their mandates and duties, we'll actually be able to get what we want, which is programs that are implemented as designed and resources being safeguarded. A key lesson that we learned out of the COVID-19 real-time audit Excuse me, AG. The, the ones who are responsible for the movement of your slides, uh, must must uh, really look into that. That uh, uh, when you speak uh, on the uh, notes you provided, they have uh, relevant slides uh, on show. No, th thank you very much, Honourable Chair. So, in the in the quest to be swift about this input, I I took out some of the slides that you might have in front of you, but the the message is still the same. So that's why the team okay. is staying on this slide. It's really still saying, what will we do? And it's really um, highlighting the message about what it is we've learned and how we're shaping our work based on what it is we know. And the key message here is really to say, we will draw, we'll continue to draw on the lessons we learned from the COVID-19 audits. We'll draw on lessons from other parts of the world where there's been crises and disasters to which there's been government responses. We'll also look at lessons that are available to us from other countries that have implemented complex projects that had to be done quickly and operating across different parts of the state. A key example here would be the oversight mechanism that was applied in China when they did the Beijing Olympics. One of the key lessons there is that real-time audits conducted by the National Audit Office help 
when other people also do their part and they do so swiftly. So if I can leave nothing else with you this evening, it is that as a national audit office, we are dedicated to making sure we perform these audits quickly and efficiently and give good quality insight. The trick is going to be for all actors in the accountability ecosystem to also do their part, starting with accounting officers, going into the executive, going into, into the legislatures and the councils. That's how we're going to get the accountability mechanisms operating properly. And I'll also add, if we get the investigations bodies and law enforcement also acting swiftly on what it is we give to them. And we've seen the benefit of doing that. When we worked with the Fusion Center in the context of the COVID-19 audits, we were able to see some, some impact very quickly. So it's going to be that all of us put our hands on deck, operating on our mandate as swiftly as we can, as collaboratively as we can, and in a way that's well coordinated. And of course, never standing in the way of accounting officers doing their job. And I think that's one of the, the, the risks that could actually play out if we all are trying to do too many different things at the same time and not allowing the machinery to move and then we act. The, the, we are now moving on to the next slide, uh, which, which just deals with the audit process. Uh, our approach to, to the real-time audits is informed by what we've seen working well, as I've said. The key parts of the process would be prevention, detection and reporting. First off, from a prevention point of view, we, we've leveraged our existing reach and our relationships to alert accounting officers and accounting authorities of the risks in their environment and highlighting the importance of maintaining controls and retaining records um, and, and to use the internal audit to good effect. Uh, and we've already issued letters to, to, to the accounting officers and accounting authorities um, of, the, of the parties that we are auditing, so that we can highlight to them the need for preventative controls, especially on procurement and on infrastructure spend. We've been encouraged, honorable members, by the provincial treasury in, in, in KZN. The action they took on very quickly was to, first of all, reinforce the same message to accounting officers, highlighting the, the need for accounting officers to use their internal auditors properly. They've also decided and communicated across the province on the basis of the provincial cabinet's um, uh, resolution that as the provincial KZN treasury, they are going to do pre-assessments of awards before those awards are done. So when procurement happens before those awards are done, the KZN provincial treasury has indicated that they will be doing that assessment, which of course is part of their role within the province. And it certainly helps to strengthen the accountability mechanisms. As the AGSA will test the controls and will check in on how all of these controls are working, those implemented by the accounting officers, as well as those implemented by the provincial treasury. So that's the part of prevention. Then there's the aspect of, of, of the detection. We've shaped our audit procedures to detect key issues around how programs are running. So here we will look at procurement, and we'll audit in the normal course. We'll look at grant payments again in the normal course. And when I say normal course, what has become normal for us is to use the multidisciplinary teams uh, of the AGSA. So it would be the financial or regularity audit, auditors working in close collaboration 
with the information systems experts, with the forensics experts, as well as experts in other fields, such as engineering and quantity surveying, as well as in the medical field, so that our response as an audit office is one that has the benefit of this deep and diverse set of skills. That's going to form part of our detection. And then on the reporting, what we aim to do is ensure that we communicate our findings as soon as we have identified them and give the accounting office a space and opportunity to implement them. We'll elevate those findings and recommendations to the executive, um, and then we'll also table reports with parliament and other organs of state. We aim to make sure that even the coordinating departments, all those charged with coordinating, have the benefit of timely insight from the audit office so that they too can act from a monitoring point of view, supervision point of view, and support point of view. It is our hope that all of these insights that we generate will be used by the players in the accountability ecosystem to take the requisite action. In terms of what we audit, which is now the next slide, it just gives you a sense of the areas that we aim to look at. Um, Chair, I think it's important for me to note that the process of reprioritizing budgets um, by the different entities and departments and municipalities, that process is still underway. Um, and, and they are not all at a point where they have fully reprioritized the, the budgets that they need to, to, to respond. Some have, but there are a number that haven't firmed up that process. We will continue to, to look into that and work with them and keep a proper tally of what's being allocated and what's being spent. We will look at all three spheres of government, national, provincial, and local government. We'll look at the different departments at national level that have specific responsibilities, whether it's human settlements, um, water and sanitation, transport, including their entities, namely Prasa and Sarawak. We'll also look at public works and SASA. At the provincial level, similar departments, but including education, social de development and health. And then at the local level, we focus specifically on KZN and the Eastern Cape Partner Group members. Um, and in KZN, we've looked at all of the, the different municipalities that are affected. The good thing is that we are already in the cycle of auditing PFMA. So if there are other expenditures that we've not listed um, in the departments that are on the screen, we will pick it up and we'll be able to report on it. Similarly, in terms of the amounts of money we're dealing with, we'll be able to keep updating our information as we go. Uh, the work has begun and we are already underway. When we report honorable chairpersons, we will be able, chairperson, we'll be able to provide insight on not just what's being allocated and reprioritized, but how that spend is being governed. We'll look at the effectiveness of the programs and the interventions, including whether or not the service that's being delivered is of a good quality or as intended. We'll look at the coordination across different government entities. We'll look at the integration of the different databases of government to make sure that the, the, there is no duplication of benefit, there is no invalid uh, decline of benefits that should go to people, much in the way that we've done before. We'll look at the efficiency of how the spending is being done. We'll also look at the value for money aspects. And I think Honorable Singh is listening carefully as I say this. We'll be looking um, at areas around um, in inflation of, of prices through poor procurement processes or, or 
uh, contract management so that we can give assurance as we go on, on how these things are panning out. And that the key programs would include the, the element of temporary residential units in the context of human settlement, uh, as well as the build of new houses. Um, we'll look at infrastructure repair and rebuild efforts at the schools, at the hospitals, at the clinics. We'll look at the water and sanitation infrastructure at the railway and the roads. We'll also look in the water tanking services around prices, around installation, um, as well as around distribution. Um, we'll also look at the social relief initiatives, food parcels, funeral expenses, etc. This is the benefit, honorable members, of having an audit office that can audit every single public institution right across the chain. We're able to see these transactions. Whilst we might not audit every single transaction, we're able to see enough to give critical insight on a timely basis and give assurance as to what is going on in those environments. The list we've given on the screen is by no means exhaustive, neither is the list of initiatives I've just listed, but it is just giving an indication of the type of matters we intend to look into. And as I'm heading off to, towards concluding my own remarks and, and give back to you, Honorable Chair, um, I'd like to highlight that ongoing support by all players is going to be important. Effective coordination and collaboration across the ecosystem is going to be critical. As the AGSA, we will leverage of what we've seen and learned over time. We will report on a timely basis with independent, credible, timely and relevant insights so that all of those in our audiences can act on this. From an, from an financial implications point of view, and I know that's an interest of SCORAG and rightly so, how are we going to fund this? How are we going to resource it? Resourcing is primarily the staff of the audit office. We will reprioritize some of our initiatives and we get our teams to focus on this work. It will be, it will have an impact, but fortunately it's environments that we tend to be in anyway. We may have to supplement them with specialist skills as we did in the context of the COVID-19 work, but that's not out of the ordinary course of business for the AGSA. We, we intend to offer this service um, in a way that's cost-effective um, and offer a service that we can defend in terms of what it costs um, and to account for those costs transparently in the manner that SCORAG is used to. We will build the auditees that are being audited for this effort. In any event, in large, in many ways, they will be the principal beneficiaries of our findings and recommendations. What we would ask of SCORAG is that you, you keep us honest in this regard, but also support us as we aim to get payment for the fees that we will charge on this effort. And I end off, Honorable Chair and Honorable Members, by making the statement that even in the midst of a crisis, transparency and accountability must not be ignored. It's important that accounting officers and all those charged with different responsibilities within different institutions of government. It's important that they set the right ethical tone, that they put in place preventative controls, and that they be responsive when internal audit or AGSA as external audit give these findings. 
that's how we're going to have the type of impact we seek. It's also critically important that the executive and the coordinating ministries respond and act on the basis of what it is we found and we recommend. Also critically important that all of us in the ecosystem support one another and get behind this crisis with renewed confidence in the ability of all of us in this ecosystem to live up to these critical imperatives as set out in section 195 of the constitution for government departments to be responsive, to be efficient, and still to be transparent and accountable. So thank you very much, Chair. I'll now hand back to you for questions. Thank you very much, AG. Uh, thanks for uh, that uh, elaborate input, uh, which uh, provides us with a sense of comfort on areas that you are going to uh, touch on and uh, to your commitment and your affirmation that the work has started. Um, here it is, colleagues. Are there any questions? Honourable Chairperson. Uh, that is uh, Honourable uh, Hussein. I think yes. it was Honourable Ping first, Chair. Uh, he called you first. There's uh, Honourable Hussein, there's Honourable Mante, there's Honourable Hussein uh, who have raised their hands. Yes, I'll go after them. I'll go after them. Uh, can I, can uh, I also come in, Chair, Honourable Matafa? Uh, Honorable Matafa, so be the fourth one. Um, that's it. Honorable uh, Hussein. Chair, thank you very much. Uh, and thank you, uh, AG, for uh, that explanation of how this whole process um, of real time audits are going to occur. I think. Uh, wait now, who's this whispering here, yeah, stories? Uh, hello. Someone must mute. Okay. Honorable. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. I, I just wanted to uh, express appreciation to the AG's office for explaining how this um, real-time audit process will work, uh, Chair. Um, I always thought that it happens, you know, as as the transactions occur, but. Uh, clearly, it, it happens afterwards, uh, which I understand now much better. Uh, but at least it will occur, you know, almost immediately thereafter or within a short space thereafter, which is, you know, quite positive and helpful and helps the departments and all of us to recognize where some of the shenanigans occur to try and prevent um, further uh, destruction and, and stealing of public funds. So. It has been quite helpful, that presentation, to understand how the real-time audits occur. I want to just make one or two comments, uh, Chair, and ask um, uh, a question as well. Um, the AG mentioned that the departments are still in the process of reprioritizing their budgets. Uh, now, Chairperson, you'll recall that the President made this announcement shortly after uh, the floods had occurred, that government is allocating one billion rand for disaster relief. 
where I understood as the days passed thereafter that that one billion rand wasn't new money, but also reprioritized funds in existing budgets. Um, what I'm struggling now to understand is how do we come up with an amount of a billion rand a few, quite a few weeks ago already when the departments are only still busy with their reprioritizing now? Um, and I don't think it would be fair to ask the AG to answer that question. It's more the presidency and hopefully the minister in the presidency who is going to be um, coming before that ad hoc committee on the flood relief might be able to answer that question. But it's a comment that I wanted to put out there in that um, it does trouble trouble me that an announcement was made on an, on, on, on relief uh, when that amount is still being calculated at this stage. Uh, if the AG has got any information that she can share with us that pro provides some clarity there, I think it will be helpful. Also, the second point here is uh, I, I have seen that list of the various departments that are going to be audited, and I'm uh, mindful that the AG had did mention that it's not an exhaustive list, but I do want to suggest that in the KZN Transport Department, um, that they also be subjected to real-time audits. It's not on that list. Um, since a number of provincial roads have been damaged, um, the provincial transport department has also indicated that their expenditure might run into billions of rands. So uh, a lot of a lot of this, the public funds are going to be spent in that department. So, Eiji, if you if you would be kind enough to include that department in your real-time audits. Uh, I think it will be a job well done. Uh, the third point, Chairperson, is uh, if it's not already covered, uh, I haven't seen it in the report, but I suspect it might be uh, part of the audit. Um, and, and, you know, Chair, during these times, there is the emergency expenditure that municipalities incur, what they commonly refer to as Section 36 awards, which generally... Uh, is the source of a lot of corruption and maladministration, irregular and wasteful expenditure as well. And that's where um, a lot of the corruption actually occurs. So I want to appeal to the AG that um, in those municipalities that have been indicated in her report, that she will also make sure that they look carefully into the Section 36 awards, the emergency expenditure that was occurred, uh, especially in the, in the days immediately after, after the flooding. Um, then uh, two other points, Chairperson. Uh, I would like to know from the AG when does she think we can expect a first, at least a draft report on the audits uh, that have been conducted thus far uh, on the flood relief expenditure. Um, I'm not sure how long it'll take, but it'll be a, it will be good to have some indication of when her first report will be provided, at least uh, to the portfolio committee. And then lastly, if the AG can please kindly make available publicly a contact telephone number and an email address that the public can provide information to the AG's office when they do come across any suspicious transactions or awards of tenders, uh, especially in the KZN province, as they now try to work themselves out of uh, all of the challenges that they have from, from having to do the repairs and there's going to be millions and billions of rands spent. And I'm sure that uh, if the public is more aware of it and is able to report that information to the AG, 
and they can look at it even closer with the magnifying glass. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you very much, um, Honorable Hussein. Uh, Honorable Mantia. Uh, thank you, Chair. And, uh, Chairperson, uh, let me just uh, thank you, thank the AG. I have uh, uh, just few questions, in fact, only two. One, it's what Honorable Hussein has already kind of uh, asked in terms of uh, how can the public assist. I think by now the Office of the AG should be aware of the fact that value for money is only realized when we get to see what was paid for. And in, in many cases or within the methods that were utilizing before, we could only be able to observe that a year later. Now we have an opportunity which we have to all seize and the office of the AG should also try and work around its own systems in terms of finding a way that the people can assist. And then the second question I have, Chair, is the biggest enabler for corruption and also for documentation that at the time of auditing is not found or transactions cannot be backed up by any kind of documentation or any electronic uh, information available. Is there a system that the AG can um, utilize at this stage to accommodate in particular the emergencies because they become the biggest enabler of corruption. And if so, with the instructions of the National Treasury on how to utilize whatever funds are available to deal with this particular disaster, do we have the systems that will cater for all of that? Because I, if I remember, Chair, with the pandemic, with, with the money of the COVID-19, there was a case where SIU had to come in and actually investigate if certain provinces did indeed uh, not follow the instructions of National Treasury, and they were found not to have faltered in any of those regulations in terms of national treasure. But now it's going to be far more complicated because we're talking about isolated municipalities and different departments are going to be involved. Is there a system which we can all be assured of that it encompasses all systems in terms of auditing and no one can override that system. And of course, people become 
very much sophisticated when it comes to systems, but do we have a system right now that can keep any other loopholes that we have found with the previous transactions of the COVID-19 or the lessons of the COVID-19? Have they taught us anything and have we implemented any other systems to keep that? Thank you, Chen. Um, thank you very much, uh, Honorable uh, Mente. Um, Honorable Singh. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson. I see I'm unable to start my video for whatever reason uh, because I've just switched gadgets here. But in any case, uh, uh, thank you very much to you, Chair, for organizing this meeting in conjunction with the, uh, with the uh, Office of the Auditor General. Uh, I think it's a, a very good uh, move that, that you've taken an initiative together with the, with the AG. And thank you to the AG for the presentation that she made. You know, uh, Chairperson, they say heavy is the head that wears the crown. And here I, I can tell you nobody is going to envy the Auditor General for the role and responsibility she and her team have taken on here uh, to make sure that uh, we don't have crooks in the system like during the COVID, uh, uh, COVID projects that were given out that will, you know, put uh, money uh, into their own pockets. Now, having said that, it's also unfortunate, Honorable Chairperson, that uh, the default position with us seems to be that, uh, you know, we know people are going to steal. Uh, how do we prevent them from stealing? So it's rather unfortunate that we've reached that, that stage. But uh, I think, uh, you know, all of us uh, as, as this committee have full confidence in the AG and their office uh, to ensure that they do their best uh, to prevent uh, corruption and uh, mismanagement. Just a few questions, uh, and then to emphasize what Honorable Mente and uh, and Honorable Hussein said about the uh, Section 36 abuse. It, it, it is a common form of abuse by municipalities, uh, just using Section 36 uh, whenever they can, when in some instances it's possible to go through uh, you know, some kind of a tender process. And then also the question of when will the funds be transferred to, 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 to the respective uh, uh, entities and uh, departments. Now, having said that, uh, I would like to ask through you, Chairperson of the AG, how many warm bodies does she have in her team that's going to work on this project of uh, monitoring uh, finances and project management uh, over this flood uh, relief money. Uh, you mentioned engineers, Honorable AG, you mentioned uh, uh, project managers. Who will they be employed by? Will they be employed by the office of the AG? And will they be able to also have a hand in a project as it develops. Uh, for example, I can just give a classic example on the N2, a very, very busy N2 on the south coast. Uh, there was some damage to the road. And for the last five weeks, just to put an additional lane is still not complete. And the reason for that is, you know, the, the contractors that they got are not people qualified in the business of doing roads. And I say sometimes, you know, I won't go to a butcher to have my hair cut. I'll go to a barber. So are we going to monitor this kind of thing 
because the inconvenience that it's causing to thousands of motorists taking alternate routes is, is just horrific. So I would like to know whether the office of the Auditor General will get involved from an initial stage just to make sure that, uh, you know, if, if, if 10 meters of road have been uh, destroyed by the floods, a 10 day is not put out for 100 meters of roads. Because this is where some of these people who are masters at the art of putting money in their pocket know how to manipulate uh, manipulate these contracts so that they can benefit. So, and, and that is a central project that I think you need to, uh, to to monitor. But I think all in all, you know, we 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 be confident in the role that the office of the AG is going to play. And I'd also like to ask uh, through you, Chair AG, this new committee monitoring committee that has been established by the president. Uh, are you going to also be uh, be reporting to them? Is there a need for you to report to them? What is the relationship going to be between other uh, bodies that will be monitoring financial and project management and the office of the AG? Uh, so for now, I'll just pause there. Uh, and thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Singh, for the questions. Um, I think, colleagues, let, let's take all the questions, and the AG will be uh, able to address uh, all of them. Honorable Matafa. Thank you very much, Chair. Good evening, Chair. Good morning. Uh, good evening, AG, and the team and honorable members. Uh, Chair, with the questions asked, I'm left with only two, uh, thereby making my submission very brief. Firstly, let me welcome the presentation. It is really assisting and encouraging to show that we indeed are responding to the prevailing challenges as far as spending is concerned. The first one, Chair, I just want to find out uh, the cost implications. And Chair, I apologize if whether if maybe some of these two issues have been covered. I'm going through load shedding, so my connectivity was a bit unstable. On the cost structure of the additional work of real, real-time audits, will 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 the audit fees be recouped from the auditee, or is there a budget that is set aside for the AG to be able to complete this work? And if it will be recouped from the auditees, has this been communicated to them? And and given the challenges that we have seen previously where audit fees were not paid, are we sure that they will be able to meet their financial obligations as far as this uh, additional work is concerned? And, and the last one, Chair, would be on the areas of audit. Under normal circumstances, there will be predetermined areas of audit. In this case, are we having such a scenario where the auditees will be informed as to which areas will be covered by the particular audit, or will it be a pure instance of following the expenditure to ensure that procurement has been done within the prescripts of the law, and if whether there is value for money, and the desired impact is met, or there will be a particular focus area by the office of the AG in ensuring that the audit then succeeds. On the issue of infrastructure, uh, Honorable Singh did speak to that in terms of the number of warm bodies. Maybe my take is that we are targeting various 
provinces. Will we have permanent presence in these offices or will we have uh, audit team members being deployed to these particular areas and consolidating at the central office at the go or will we have permanent presence there? Those will be the questions, Chair. Otherwise, uh, other honorable members did cover some of the questions that I had. Thank you very much for the opportunity to participate. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Matafa. Uh, honorable Quota uh, and Honorable uh, Mayor Constance. Chairperson. Yes, unmute. Unmute, Makota, you have muted yourself. That's right. Yeah, thank you. Um, I just want to say that I'm very grateful to hear the presentation made by the Auditor General. My concern are two, I've got only two concerns in this area of work. One, as much as I agree with what has been said, but the issue of budgeting, if these departments don't budget together in terms of these projects, uh, the, the, the issue of successful executing of this work is going to be practically impossible. Joint budgeting is critical. The other area of work which is needed is the intergovernmental relations. You definitely need operational, clear operational intergovernmental relations in order to be able to work out this, this mammoth task. And I agree, when you put out the three most important areas, transparency, accountability, and governance. And I think going forward, these are the areas that we need to look at, scrutinize, and be able to see if each and every project does go in terms of those lines. I thank you, Chairperson, because many areas have been covered already. Thank you, Makota. Uh, Constance? Uh, thank you, Chair. Let me also appreciate the presentation by the Auditor General. I also want to say that most of my points have been raised. I'm not going to ask any question, but just to make an, a comment to say, um, we appreciate um, the work which the Auditor General and, and her team is doing all the time. And I'm, I know that I, I can imagine that from the first experience of the COVID uh, issue, they were able to to close the, all the loopholes and they have more experience now this time. So, <clears throat> excuse me. I would like, I, I would really like to to, to say that um, on, especially on reporting, it is important that the, the reporting must be uh, quick enough. I'm not saying they must rush their work so that there shouldn't be situations where even where there's no uh, uh, corruption or something, then there's, uh, misleading people being misled, public being misled about this and that. So, I um, I know that I can imagine that uh, those are some of the issues which um, they have looked into, uh, so that a regular 
communication with public would not allow a space for 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 misleading and peddling issues which are not there. So um, I, that's my point I wanted to raise. And uh, like I said, um, we we appreciate uh, the work they are doing and even already what they have planned for. And the issues which also uh, Mekota has raised on intergovernmental planning and uh, working together because our problem also in 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 departments that we are used to situation where departments work in silos. So this is a time where everybody must really work together and to make sure that this become a success and we're able to 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 intervene as a country to help those who are in 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 those situations. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you, Mark Constance, for your your comments. I see the hand again of uh, Honorable Singh. Is that a legacy hand? Uh, Chairperson, I wonder if you'll just allow me to ask just one question, which I forgot. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, just to ask of the AG through you, how, or maybe perhaps I should say, will this additional work that has been thrust upon the office of the AG impact on the normal functions that the office of the AG has to perform during this part of the year. Thank you. Okay. Um, I see that there's no further hand uh, for for questions or comments. Uh, can I give over to you, um, AG? For, for responses. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much, Chair, and thank you to the honorable members for their questions and inputs. Um, I, I guarantee you that we've taken note of the requests and guidance uh, and tips that have come from the honorable members. Uh, I have with me uh, the, the team that's leading in this work. Uh, our head of audit, Mabaj Sedikela, has dialed in, and she's listening carefully to, to the inputs of the members. Um, if I listen to you around the session 36 awards uh, and the abuse that tends to happen, the suggestion on an email address where people can reach us um, to give us information on a timely basis, and I'm, I will, we'll certainly do all of that. I, I wanted to just quickly respond to some of the questions. Um, uh, there was a suggestion on including KZM transport from Honorable Hussein. Absolutely, we'll do that. Um, when is the first report likely to come out? Um, the work has already begun. We aim to have a report that we can start talking about in the public domain, certainly by August. Um, I, I, I hope that that date is going to remain, but that's certainly what we're planning on. Um, the, I've taken note of the moves within Parliament to establish the ad hoc committee. Um, and I suppose that would be a very important platform for us to, to engage on, on, on this work in, in a great deal of detail. Um, in terms of the, uh, the, the question about the, the systems, uh, Honorable Mende, um, there was a simple question you asked about, is there a system that's fully integrated that will help us to safeguard resources? Um, and has there been action to respond to the recommendations from the last report? 
a, a short answer would be no. There isn't a, a change in the systems that are available and the nature of integration of systems and even of databases as what we would have recommended when we did the COVID-19 audit. It's not to say that all is lost, though. Uh, what we do have going for us this time around is, I think, improved collaboration between ourselves and, and, and other bodies, other public bodies, to be able to share with them our databases from the um, data analytics that we're doing um, so that they can follow up and, and, and trace transactions across the, the, the different environments. I think uh, we should be able to, to have better outcomes this time around. Uh, but the short answer to your question about is there a system, that would be no. Um, the, the comments, Honourable Singh, um, yes, the crown is heavy, uh, but we have the benefit of a staff of 3,600 people who love this work, who are professionals, who are dedicated to, to getting it done. Um, it'll be, it will be the AGSA staff doing this work, uh, we will supplement that capacity with a little bit of external expertise, as we did for COVID-19. Uh, but the bulk of the work will be done by our teams. We've learned that we have enough capability within the teams. And we've also become aware that we benefit significantly from the fact that our teams are already present in many of these auditees. As you know, we have provincial offices and we also have a national audit office within Pretoria that's got all the teams that interact with the, with the, with the national departments and entities. And at the provincial level, we've got a full complement of teams that deals with provincial and local government. So those will be the people doing the work. Your follow-up question, Honorable Singh, was, will this have an impact on the normal work we are charged with? It will. Uh, this hits us in the middle of the traditional PFMA cycle, which is our biggest cycle uh, of the two. Um, so what it will do is likely delay some of the work, the regularity work on the affected auditees. We will do our very best to avoid the extent of that impact so that we don't negatively affect the accountability processes in, 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 in Parliament. But I'm, I'm trusting that the Honourable Members will have sympathy around needing to prioritize in response to this extraordinary moment of our time. We'll be, we'll be overseeing the projects um, and getting involved at the initial stage. It, there's, a, there's a fine balance between us making management decisions on the one hand, which we can't do, uh, and giving independent assurance once a decision has been made. So we wouldn't be able to make a call about the criteria for, for an award. Um, that would be something that the provincial treasury would be able to, to, to give a view on and protect. And what we must insist upon is that not only the provincial treasury as what they've undertaken to do, but other coordinating departments in the provinces as, as well as within, within the central government actually do similar work. Um, and we must also insist on internal order doing their part. Um, the law actually requires that we, we steer clear of management decisions. We can advise, we can encourage, we can inspire, we can inform, but we certainly can't be party to the decision. Otherwise, the independent assurance we're supposed to offer will be compromised. The reporting of our findings, we'll be sharing these, these insights with, with the presidency and other players, absolutely. So the, account, the, the oversight mechanism comprises the National Treasury, the DPME, as already announced by, by the President, um, COPTA as well. So we'll share this information with them 
on a timely basis in a way that they can digest and use. That's certainly our intention. And that's provided for in terms of the Public Order Act as well. Um, on your Matafa, the cost implications, you know, our intention is to do this work in the most cost-effective way as possible. And I think you are used to how we operate as the National Board Office. However, there will be an additional cost, and we aim to pass on as much as we can to the to the to the uh, affected auditees. They wouldn't have budgeted for this particular work; neither would we have. And so, it's going to become quite critical that we work with them, the provincial treasury, the national treasury, to make sure that this work is properly funded and paid for. What we found with the with the with the COVID nineteen audits, there was a vast amount that we couldn't collect, and we ended up having to subsidise an audit office. And of course, over time, our ability to subsidise this work has become quite diminished. So we're going to rely on SCOEG to not only keep us honest in terms of transparency and accountability on what we charge for this work, but also advocate that it be properly funded so that the the capacity of the audit office isn't compromised over time. Um, in terms of the, the, the areas of audit, yes, we will look not only at the compliance issues of, of how procurement runs, but we'll look for value for money in some of the transactions and we'll scope the high value, the high risk ones. We'll also attend to the efficiency of that spend in terms of whether or not that which is being bought is being done at the right quality, at the right time, and in the right way. Um, so I think I've answered the question about our permanent presence. We're going to use the fact that we already have a presence in each of the provinces. We have teams that are dedicated to working within those municipalities in any event. Um, Honorable Godza, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's going to be critical that the different spheres of government and the different institutions of government collaborate in planning for these initiatives, in rolling them out, in monitoring them, and even in overseeing so that we get the very best of what it is that these institutions can do working together. Um, and then, Honorable Sebo-Singwa, we will do our very best to be quick about the reporting. When it comes to the accounting officers, they will get the benefit of our insights very quickly. Similarly with the executives, similarly with the coordinating ministries. Uh, for oversight, we will table reports at the appropriate time, but we will do that as quickly as possible so that you are enabled to do your part. But thank you very much for those inputs, suggestions, and, and questions. And Honorable Chair, I trust that I've responded to the questions adequately. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, uh, AG. Um, it 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 has um, somewhat complemented the um, a, a whole uh, list of matters which you have, we have raised during your presentation. Uh, I think we let's appreciate the fact that those matters uh, seem very critical uh, to maintain your independence as an office and uh, as well to ensure that you are attending to this task as the audit function, uh, not anything else. And, and, and therefore, you are effectively a seek to inculcate a culture of accountability and to deepen uh, that sense uh, in terms of the ecosystem, which is going to be lived by those who implement programs 
uh, of government because you are not government, you are not executive, you are the auditor general. Uh, so uh, in that sense, uh, we have to ensure that your independence is a fully safeguarded, to ensure that uh, you do so uh, without favor, without prejudice, and you adhere to the facts that you have had, the standards which have been laid for you to follow in terms of uh, having a proper uh, independent outcomes uh, of, that, uh, of that audit. What I would want to propose, honorable uh, uh, members, maybe in closing, that uh, there might be a necessity uh, from our side, um, uh, guided, of course, uh, by the processes uh, from the AG's office, uh, that we give ourselves uh, time, whether uh, a day or two, to uh, be closer uh, to where things are happening. I'll tell, tell you why. Because in, I think, the past two years, we've had some serious uh, occurrences which we had to address together with the SAPS and other uh, uh, um, uh, members uh, which are related to uh, safety and security uh, of the audit office. It, it, it might be very critical that uh, we assure that uh, the Office of the Audit General operates uh, in a very secure uh, space and, and, and therefore that kind of assurance and support from us will be very uh, necessary. It, it might be you find ourselves some time to uh, pull uh, to our side uh, some engagements uh, with the high offices uh, in such uh, uh, structures uh, so that we uh, inculcate a, a level uh, of a secure environment uh, for the performance uh, of such work. Secondly, um, I, I like the approach uh, the AG is taking because uh, getting into an environment uh, with negativity uh, would deny uh, your actual vigor and uh, necessary support uh, from those who ought to be supportive uh, in that environment because you have prejudged them and, and, and therefore you are creating uh, an environment where uh, people will uh, uh, somewhat shy away uh, in terms of uh, acting, working uh, together uh, in terms of the information which is in their uh, exposure, and 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 uh, we can't we can't therefore uh, get into that environment with an attitude uh, that uh, money is going to be stolen and therefore uh, the age is getting there for such. No, the AG is getting there because it's a has been entrusted with the responsibility to ensure that uh, money which has been allocated for certain functions uh, has been utilized uh, for such functions. And if indeed uh, the accountability is affected, uh, you would uh, uh, somewhat uh, follow the trend uh, of advising the authorities, mainly the accounting officers uh, on the areas which uh, they ought uh, uh, to follow. So the beef in this instance would be uh, within uh, such a uh, ambit. We're there to support the office, and, and uh, we might therefore want to programmatize 
um, our closeness into um, uh, such uh, occurrences, which which uh, might uh, be started by um, asking permission to the chair of chairs uh, for us to get to KZN and the Eastern Cape mainly, uh, where we could uh, probably establish the readiness of, of those offices and the support that they get in terms of secure environment uh, in performing such audits. Do you agree, uh, AG? Any comment? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm aware that the um, the ad hoc committee intends to to do some visits um, to to the sites of of this disaster as well. Um, I'm also aware that there are a number of other initiatives that that Parliament is busy with as well. Um, I think let's let's compare notes about the timing of such an intervention because you also don't want too many of us um, in one environment almost stepping over each other, falling over each other. Um, in terms of the safety and security arrangements, I undertake to ensure that should there be any threat, we will alert the committee to it and then we can share notes on how we best respond to it. I certainly appreciate your sensitivity to the issue um, and the support that you, Honorable Chair, and the Honorable Members of Scoreway have continued to offer to the audit office. Thus far, there hasn't been any indication of those threats, but we we remain vigilant uh, and we remain in very close contact with the um, law enforcement um, uh, officials in those environments to make sure that our sa- the safety of our teams remains assured. Um, but if there's any shift from where that is, uh, I will certainly take it upon myself to alert you directly, Chair. Thank you very much, uh, uh, AG. Um, honorable members, can we, in that note, um, then appreciate um, the attendance. So I see that even the Deputy Auditor General is in the yeah is is, is in here. Uh, good good evening, Deputy AG. Um, is part is part of the meeting and and any other member which I haven't uh, recognised. But thank you very much, honourable members. Thank you, AG, uh, for the uh, information. Uh, the meeting is adjourned. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. My man, the only good night. I don't call